Well, again, everybody, there is the music and we're underway. Cool Button Hockey Podcast number 54 as we're in to the push to the playoffs. April's a great time. The schedule's been unbelievable, Mr. Craig Button. And we're coming out of five interesting matchups, some of which really don't matter in the big scheme of things. But I guess everything matters to you and I in the game of hockey. Vegas, I'm looking at the odds right this second. They lose to Vancouver, at least Pedersen, boy. He's playing some great hockey, isn't he? 32% chance now of making the playoffs. They had a streak going. It ends against Vancouver. And with everything else that's going on in the wild, wild west, boy, could the Dallas Stars with two points on Thursday really take a stranglehold. Mr. Button, Vegas, in or out? Was it a fun ride while it lasted? Well, they're not out, but I mean, you lose at home to the Vancouver Canucks. Let me just say a depleted Vancouver Canucks team. No Quinn Hughes, no Brock Besser, and, and, and you're at home for the, for the Vegas Gold Knights and you lose. And, and they didn't lose. They, they got whooped. <laughs> they got whooped. And so now you're sitting there going like, with 10 games left, what are you doing? A couple of things I'll say this about. We know where Nashville and Dallas in the wild card race are sitting ahead of them with three games in hand. I think that uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, they got their focus might be able to change here, because let's. I'm going to go ahead here on this Thursday night. Edmonton plays LA. Edmonton plays LA. So LA and Vegas have played the same number of games. Vegas is four points behind LA. They might have a shot at LA. You know. You know what Vegas is hoping for on this Thursday night? An Edmonton regulation win. That's what they're hoping for, because now they'll be four back with a game in hand on the, on the LA Kings. That, I, I, that's where I think their path is now. I don't think their path is wildcard. I think their path now is third place in the, uh, in the Pacific. The worst thing for the Vegas Golden Knights on this Thursday night, LA Kings win in an overtime or a shootout, and Edmonton and LA are sitting at 88 points. Six points ahead of Vegas, both of them ahead. <laughs> I can make an argument that that's the best thing for Edmonton and LA <laughs> because if if LA wins, Edmonton gets their overtime or shootout point. That is another step to cementing. If I'm the Oilers, a Kings first round matchup, not a Vegas first round matchup. And you can't tell me, Craig, that if the Oilers had their choice. They would not choose home ice against the Kings, which is very realistic. And I'm with you. The path for the Golden Knights to the playoffs is now almost only through the LA Kings. And that's so interesting with what we have in strength of schedule. That let's be honest, the the Kings played some good hockey. They've had some injury issues, right? Vegas played some good hockey. They've had some injury issues. And guys have come back, like Alec Martinez comes back throws up a pizza and that pizza had everything pepperoni green peppers <laughs> mushrooms and it was knocked down by Elias Patterson and uh, Alex Chase on Chason we changed his name more times than uh Sekera, Sekerash. it goes back like that was it for me and Martinez is going are you kidding like are you kidding and Leonard of course had literally no chance on the play that was a microcosm a little bit of the game but as we look at this and look inside the numbers and talk about realism 
where when you're at a spot of running tables, first of all, who runs tables to end the year? The 93 Penguins, they ran the table. They won 17 in a row. And they didn't even win the cup having won 17 in a row. Like if you have got 10, 0 and 1, 11 and 1, you know what? I'm telling you right now, book the tea time. So I find it intriguing. And look, the Oilers are on a great run themselves. We don't know what's going on with Leon Dreisaitl anyway. I think a 4-3 Oiler loss in overtime is the best tonic uh, for Oilers hockey. Not that that's going to happen, but if Edmonton gets in and here comes Vegas to the 2-3, that's not something a healthy Vegas team I want to face. Same as Colorado. I think Colorado is saying, come on, Dallas. Come on, Nashville. All of these teams, because if I'm the avalanche, I don't want to poke the bear in a nothing-to-lose matchup one versus eight in the conference. I, I can only say this, okay? I sit here and we're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, will they make the playoffs? Will they not? We just talk about what the path would be for them, you know, and, and we're, you know, what, what they're going to have to do. But that being said, if they do make the playoffs, I say watch out. The Stone's back, Pacioretty's back. Like there's everything. It's like, you know what? It's go time for the Vegas Golden Knights. And now, now a team that might just find a way to get into the playoffs on the last game of the season, right near the end. Wow. You're right. You want to play them. You want to be the number one seed or you want to be the second seed in the Pacific and play them. Wow. Talk about, you know, uh, coming up like, you know, uh, snake eyes, that would be snake eyes. (laughs) Yeah. So that's uh, the West story for now in the East, some intriguing storylines. We've got Tampa, I would say middling at best hockey. They fall into fourth in the division, which doesn't mean Florida because Florida is right now going to win the division and the conference. They would get Washington at wild card two. So Florida, we get to avoid Tampa. So what's wrong right now with the Tampa Bay lightning. Then we'll get into the Canes kind of middling and the Rangers closing the gap there which I find very intriguing as Pittsburgh and the Rangers go at it tonight. So let's begin with Tampa and our level of concern that the save percentage, I think I heard on the broadcast last night, for the last little chunk. And I know people, whenever you cut off the chunk, since February 9th, they're the best in the league. Well, why'd you pick February 9th? Oh, because it works for my narrative. Oh, (laughs) so since January 15th, Mitch Marner leads in the league in scoring. Oh, what happened on January 15th? Nothing. Oh, so I get January 1st. I get, so I, I like to actually say the whole year and then kind of look at a trend of say a month or six weeks. But anyway, Craig, so in this last little chunk that makes Tampa look bad, Andre Vasilevsky's state percentage is 9-11, which is not, you know, Vesna type. So level of angst for John Cooper that this club right now is, you know, in a mini slump. And are you seeing anything that gives you concern? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm laughing because uh, you think about averages, right? And you think about everything. You know, Steve, one time I averaged a two, uh, a 212, uh, 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 not a 212, a 312K. You know, when the, the, like, you know, if I could have improved on that, who, I could have been, I could have been a marathon winner. Like, <laughs> but anyway, end of the story is uh, you, you kid around and everything like that. Here's what I would say. I'm not worried about the Tampa Bay Lightning one bit. Zero. That's my level of concern. Zero. It's right at zero. It's not at one. It's not at two. It's at zero. Here's why. I go back and I think back to the 91-92 Pittsburgh Penguins. They won the Stanley Cup in 91. You know, the unfortunate uh, passing of uh, Badger Bob uh, Johnson. Great day for hockey. Every day is a great day for hockey. 
And, you know, Scotty Bowman came in. They finished third in their division that year. They were 18 points behind the New York Rangers. And boy, did they go to that. Oof, <laughs> away they went, right? The way they went and, and they won. And, and there's a knowledge by the players in the group of what they're capable of. And, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning don't have to have to do anything to, uh, you know, blow their brains out, so to speak, you know, to extend themselves. Let's just get comfortable. Let's get where we're at. You know what? It's April the 7th. You know, really? Well, let's start kicking it in April 15th, right? Whatever. I, I just been there, done that. They don't care if they start on the road. They don't care who they play against. They know they're capable of beating anybody in the National Hockey League. Anybody. And there's nobody in the East that scares the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I sit here and I go, and there's nobody in the East that should scare the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm not worried about Vasilevsky. He's, he's fine. Maybe give him some games off. Brian Elliott can go in, play some games. Zero concern. Zero mm-hmm. concern. I think it's just time of year, two back-to-back Stanley Cups, been there, done that. They know. And I think they're just getting settled in, ready to go. Well, if I'm the Metro teams looking at Tampa's mini slump and oh. Tampa doesn't care, <laughs> the Rangers' reward for winning the division could very well be Tampa. Carolina must be sitting there saying, oh, this mini slump means we might drop to two and get Pittsburgh. You can't control your own destiny and fate by losing. Sometimes you can control it by winning because you can avoid matchups by just being better than everyone else. And every, you know, Carolina finishes first, they get Washington. I think everyone wants Washington. Although last night they looked good in beating Tampa Bay. And we can talk about Ovechkin and John Carlson and everything else. I find the intrigue because this is what we're doing right now. There's jockeying, there's conversation. You know, we mentioned Carolina and the fight with Pittsburgh. Carolina's a game in hand as of press time. And we got the Rangers Pittsburgh playing tonight. Rangers have Pittsburgh's number a little bit. They, these are all recent games. For U.S. television, they've played all these games, you know, in a relatively short period of time. And Pittsburgh wasn't great against the Avalanche. You know, it looks like to me that this is an aging team a little bit. Maybe the window's closing. I'm really intrigued to see how the Penguins go into MSG. The last time they went in there, they got whooped. This is very intriguing to me because your buddy Andrew Kopp is playing well. The Rangers are feeling it right now. Kreider and Fox and Panera, like they're they're feeling it, and all their new additions have contributed. And I love what Braden Schneider did the other night. Boom, big clean, all-time body check. Uh, as Ludzi would say, Igor Sharangovich, I admire your courage. I question your judgment. There's there's something going on with the Rangers, Craig. I'm I'm intrigued, my friend. Intrigued. Well, why wouldn't you be? And how can't you be intrigued by them? And 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 despite that, that's with Shesterkin, you know, having a little bit of a of a stretch here where he hasn't been at as good as we saw him earlier. But again, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about you know Shesterkin. And and maybe maybe somebody would say, well, why not? He doesn't have the same pedigree as uh, as Vasilevsky. Yeah, fair point. But at the same time, I, I just think that his his technical ability, his, his understanding of what he needs to do to be good. I, I really believe that Shesterkin right now is just in a fatigue state, you know, and, and mentally, like you know, you you wear down like everything. But that being said, there's an excitement. Come on, 87 coming on to Broadway. Come on, like you don't think you don't think 87 doesn't know the meaning of this game. He know he he understands fully too what the Rangers have done the past two games. He understands fully 
they got beat pretty good by the Colorado Avalanche, you know, and they just went up against one of the NHL's best teams. I'm not big on statement games, but this is more a game for the Pittsburgh Penguins to, to make a statement about themselves. That That's how I see it. And just to themselves, hey, we can compete here. But I'm with you. I'm with the Rangers. I like the way they play. I love their additions. And, and you're right, they're feeling it. And, you know, you, you think about uh, a Rangers team that early on in the year, and maybe even through the first 50 games, you know, we all looked at the underlying numbers and said, can they sustain it? L- let's just be past that now, because sometimes there's going to be, you know, aberrations. But sustain it. Don't ask any more about if they can sustain it. They have sustained it. They've sustained it all the way to the point where they could finish first in their division. So bottom line, exciting matchup at MSG on Thursday night. And we all know how 87 performs under the brightest spotlights on Broadway. (laughs) Yeah. And those underlying numbers have been better since all the additions. So in a smaller sample size, it's better. And I, you know, this is a different Ranger team with Vetrano and especially cops. So uh, it's very, very exciting. So a lot of these teams are gearing up or playing playoff hockey. uh, Some of which we've talked about that are slumping. So I had a narrative the other night that said seven, six Panthers over Toronto. Does this mean that neither team can win this way when it matters? Can you, even the eighties Oilers at times said, okay, Grant, we're going to reintroduce ourselves to you and we're going to play a little bit better. I mean, and they scored 446 goals, Craig. So as good as Florida is, we're not getting into that category. So for either team, the collapse Panthers come back against New Jersey, the collapse Panthers come back against Toronto. So what does it mean winning 80s regular season style for either Florida or Toronto uh, when these teams hit the postseason? Is there ever a bad time to quote Wayne Gretzky? Never. Good. Then I'm going to quote Wayne Gretzky. You have given me permission. And he talked about his great Edmonton Oilers teams and they scored. He goes, in the regular season, I can do things. He goes, I have to learn. He goes, I can do things, curl at the blue line, try to make a play at the blue line, you know, maybe take off a little bit ahead of time. But come playoff time, if you want to win, you got to have your details in order. And some of the things that I, that we, that I would do and I would try in the, in the regular season, I knew that I couldn't do it in the playoffs, especially against good teams and as you went further down the line. That's how I look at it. You know what? Tuesday night's game, Toronto and, and, and Florida. You know what? It was it was it was highly entertaining. It was it, it was it was great drama. You know, and you know, Tavares ties it up six six late. Then they lose in overtime. You know, chances back and forth at, 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 for both teams. Uh, you know what? It, it's not can they win in the playoffs? Both those teams are good. Can they win in the playoffs? Yeah, they they can they can win in the playoffs. There's no question they can win in the playoffs. Okay, but I do know this. If you're going to fall behind 5-1 against good teams in the playoffs, chances of winning are very, very low. In fact, they're, they're, they're almost zero. And if, you want to, and, and if you want to give up six goals from the front of your net out of the seven, that like you know, I said on the, on, on the post game Tuesday night, the combined distance of the six of the seven goals by the Florida Panthers was like 24 feet. They were right at the blue paint. So if you don't want to defend in front of your net <laughs> – You're not going to win in the playoffs. It was one game, Steve. It was one game in the regular season, right? Like, you know, you watch match play golf. I say this, the Masters begins. Can you do your Masters introduction? Craig Button on the fourth hole. Here is (laughs) minus one. 
just off the fringe. Oh, he read that perfectly, and that's going to be how set him up for another birdie here. That's how that's my golf voice. Does that work? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. The reason I said you, you you watch match play golf. How many times have we seen in match play golf a golfer blow up on a hole? You know what? It doesn't matter. And the playoffs are the same thing. You lose a game, it's just one game. It doesn't matter if you lose 7-1 or 2-1, right? Like at the end of it all, like, I mean, you know, it's one game. And so to me, that Tuesday night game, hey, listen, why don't we just take it for what it is? It was a lot of fun to watch, right? The Maple Leafs have shown me, I'll be straightforward. They've shown me that, uh, you know, I always thought that the path for them in the, in, the, in the Eastern Conference, specifically the Atlantic Division, what was a tough one. I, I, I like their chances of navigating the road a lot better now than I did a month ago. I, I really do. So, you know, they have a style of play. They can score. But again, if you're going to leave the front of your net open, you're not going to win. And if you're going to fall behind 5-1 like the Florida Panthers, I don't care how much offense you have, you're not going to win. <laughs> That's why I started off with Gretzky. 2-3-4 in the Atlantic are really intriguing. It's, it's shaping up yeah. toward winning the division in the conference. It's wild card too. So any combination of Tampa, Boston, Toronto is in play right now, which means the fourth place team is going to the other conference, which could be any of the three and could play Carolina or the New York Rangers. So uh, don't marry yourself to any combination. Although just like Oilers playing the Kings, both of those teams who are like 12th and 13th overall. I don't know if I have a bit of a problem with that. The 12th and 13th overall teams get to play in the first round. And some teams like your old smite division, you know, three and five overall or four and six overall have to play each other. That's a format that we're in. I think if Toronto and Boston could sign up for each other the way LA and Edmonton could, they would, they, if they could, right. Let's be honest. If, if you don't think to yourself that Florida knows it's Washington and now's the time to play the capitals, we're fooling ourselves, Jerry, you're fooling me. I Florida knows. Florida knows just the same way as these teams who see what could, if we're talking about it, Craig, you don't think you're talking about it. You've managed teams before you come down, you're having your coffee. You look up, but you don't think everyone kind of knows if your face is a poker face, you're serious. If you're giddy, like teams know what's going on. And I love it because we're thinking about it. If we are, so are they, you know, superbly expressed. And, And you know, Steve, I don't know what it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, prior to the deadline. I said, oh, it's real. It's real simple for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They know who they're going to play. You know, they can figure out like, you know, okay, what do we, what do we need to, to have to beat Tampa Bay, to beat Florida? You know, we didn't think Boston was in the mix. They found their way into the mix, right? It's not a certain anymore, right? Like, I mean, I'm sitting here going like, and, and, and to watch Toronto be able to play in, 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 in different ways. And, and I think the addition of Lyabushkin, the addition of Giordano's taking some of the pressure off of what I call, when you, when you put Brody and Riley into those heavy lifting situations, they're up for the task but you wear them down and that's what teams are going to do by adding those two players. They've taken some of that load off those guys, which I really, really like. And anyway, that being said, you're exactly like I said, well-expressed because when you're looking, when you're looking at who you got, what you're trying, Bob Ganey always told, we used to go out and scout our first round opponent hard, hard. He said, there's two things that are really important when we're getting ready for the first round. Number one, when you're a top team, you're going to be playing a much lower seeded team. They have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. Number two, 
they're not fatigued at that point. They're energized. They're in the playoffs. They might've been on a run for weeks to get into the playoffs and they're energized. We're not going to be playing a tired team. So we better be ready to know how to beat those teams. We better know how to beat them because if you're going to place a bet on your team and you don't understand what you're facing with the odds of you winning get greatly diminished. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our good friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book, 19 plus, play responsibly. Craig, what do you like tonight? Hey, the Penguins are going into Madison Square on Broadway. Let's see what you got. The Rangers are right on the cusp of maybe winning that division. And the Penguins, they've lost their last two games against the Rangers. Austin Matthews breaks the record on this Thursday night, April 7th in Dallas. All time, he'll get 55, maybe 56. Do I dare say maybe 57? He'll score 60 this year, in my view. I'm not taking Toronto, Dallas, but I am taking Penguins straight up on the money line. They're due two losses to you-know-who in Colorado. They have not played well against the Rangers. If they do meet them in the first round, they're going to need something to hang their hats on. This is sliding away, and you're right. If the Rangers win the division, they could get Tampa. Oh, my God, in the first round of the playoffs, it's so exciting. And I like uh, the Kings at home with the puck and a half tonight. I just have a feeling that that game's going to overtime and the Kings are – something good's going to happen for the L.A. Kings. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, with the most competitive odds, sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod 19 plus please play responsibly now to the biggest losers we have 32 teams in the nhl for the first time 16 in 16 out and then two weeks eight more are gone and maybe eight days if daryl sutter's right about his colorado prediction so among the losers you know there's a long hard climb if you're say you're philadelphia even or new jersey or buffalo and you think you're good you think you're making the playoffs next year what about the new york islanders they're probably closer than all of those teams so let's go some of the biggest losers with montreal what happens with martin st louis and carrie price we might see price in april and then does it make sense to move them to say seattle craig am i dreaming in pacific northwest technicolor well, I don't, I don't think there's any dreams. I, I, I'm a big believer that you have to be creative and imaginative when it comes to roster composition. And and, and Carey Price, you know, like, I guess there's a couple. Of, he's got four years left on his contract after this year, right? So, like, you know, you're looking at him. You, you, a, a healthy Carey Price is, is a top-notch goaltender. We know that. And, you know, I'm not so – like, I mean, everybody goes Seattle because we know what happened last year in the expansion draft. Well, how about this, Mr. Coolius? How, how about if I, and I love Renaud Lavoie. I really love him. I think he does a fantastic job, just for the record here. Uh, I can say this. What happens if you're Edmonton? What happens if you're the Colorado Avalanche? Why would you not make a call to Mr. Kent Hughes and say, you know, Mr. Hughes, we'd be interested in Mr. Carey Price. And, but you got to take half his salary. So now Kent Hughes goes, wait a second. I mean, I, I, I get off of half his salary. Okay, now, now, the, now the discussion becomes, who, who, what does somebody have to give to, to, to make that deal happen? Do they have to give anything? But, like, can you imagine to the Colorado Avalanche, Darcy Kemper's in the last year of his contract. 
right? You know what? Kadri's going to be gone, right? Do you say, hey, listen, we're going to solidify this position. Don't ever forget that there was great moves that happened uh, before the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. They do not win without Patrick Waugh. They do not win without the acquisition of Patrick Waugh. Mm-hmm. Pierre Lacroix, who I believe is long overdue for being in the Hockey Hall of Fame. It is like, you know, what, what I mean, he made some bold, strong moves for that franchise. The Edmonton Oilers, Koskinen comes off the books. You know what? Carey Price. You got McDavid and Dreisaitl, right? I, I mean, we know what they've done with goaltending that hasn't been that great. So, like, Seattle? Okay, great. Like, Seattle's terrible. They're going to be terrible next year and the year after and probably the year after that. Like, I, I mean, does Kerry want to go there? I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm talking about Joe Sackick and Ken Holland making the inquiry. So that's where I'd be. When it comes to Marty St. Louis, he's instilled an esprit de corps in the, in the Montreal Canadiens, which they didn't have. And to me, if Marty St. Louis wants to come back and coach, I think it's a real simple answer. He comes back and coaches. You know, he's going to be better from this experience. He's recognized, uh, you know, that he's got some really good assistance there uh, and, and he's utilized them. And I think that, you know, if, if that's what he wants to do and he understands a little bit better the demands uh, of, of being an NHL head coach, I don't know why you wouldn't, why you wouldn't come back with Marty St. Louis because that's where I would be. Even if it's a one plus one deal, he's got a young family. I know he loves to be around. Uh, they're all going to discuss this in Montreal at the end of the season. It has been fun. Look what he, if, if he doesn't come back, look what he's done for Cole Caulfield anyway. Uh, and then the Habs can start figuring things out. It would be nice. At least the, he comes back for at least one more year and see the development of this young team. I'll guarantee you this much. Montreal will be way better next year than they are this year. And whatever they end up doing with price staying and playing or what they might end up doing in the crease. They still have Jake Allen. Uh, they'll be better next year for sure. A lot of coaching changes in the offseason. Let's stay, you know, at the bottom. Arizona in front of 5,000 fans. You've got your Seattle's, New Jersey's, Columbus's, Philadelphia. Craig, I'm starting to realize and, you know, look at the big picture. There's teams who have not won, say, in 30 years or in many years. When we go 32 years forward, they still might not win. I try to say to myself, you better be good. You want to fill your seats. You want to run a business. I'm on the realism of saying, you're good. You make the playoffs. We lose in a round. That's still a good season. We try to build. Now at the deadline, is this year we go for it at the deadline? No, I don't want to give up that first round. And, and I'm almost really realizing what this game is all about. It's a long play. And then almost like a snake or a cobra. Then I go for the, like, I, I take my spots because the wheel keeps turning. I don't know. I, I don't know who I'd rather be than some of these teams at the bottom. Like it's, it's a really important. And you've been there, the president, the manager and the owner, but what we want to do and let's make a little money. Let's get in. Let's see where we're at in a couple of years. Let's see. Cause I think sometimes in the big picture fans who really think that their team's going for it and have a cup chance. They don't. I think it's about setting yourself up to be pretty good and then be really good in the future. Do you understand my long game I'm playing? It's golf. I'm playing. I'm not trying to win the Masters on the first hole. I want to be there at the turn Sunday. And patience is the key play here. So, so we talk about the Masters, and it just gives me a chance to jump off of that, right? Like, you know, how many times do you hear the broadcasters, you know, on the Masters say, you can't, you can't win the Masters on, on, on the first front nine but you can lose it (laughs) right so you want to leave yourself in position right tom dundon 
and and the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, I, I, I thought described it really good. He goes, we would love to be in those top eight teams in the league. That means, you know, if you split it up, four in the East, four in the West. He goes, that's where we want to be. If we're in the top eight every year, then that means we can assess where we're at at any particular moment and say, okay, we got a chance to, to really go for it. But if you're not in that top eight, right, then you're, you, where are you? And I think like golf, if, if you're trying to win it on, on the third hole, you know, when you, you, you put up a double bogey, you may have cost yourself there. Too many teams, Steve, don't recognize where they're at. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying that that's, I'm not here to blame anybody, but that's where you talk about president, GM, owner. How is it all aligned, right? Like lots of, hey, we need to be better. We need to make, we don't get a chance to make the playoffs. I can go blow my brains out. I have so much respect for David Nonis. And, and the reason I do is for a lot of reasons, but I'll go back in time. In his last year as the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, he, he was in his last year. They had a lot of young players playing in the minors and everything. And they, they, there was a lot of talk. Oh, they got to make the playoffs. And Dave said, I'm not trading these young players. I'm not trading these young players. It's not right for the organization. That's what you want in a manager. They didn't keep them. But if you go back and look at that run that the Vancouver Canucks had, including 2011, it was Dave Nonis's decisions that kept good players in the organization. I'm talking Kessler. I'm talking Edler. I'm talking, you know, those players that became really, really important. They're not the only ones. So you have to align. And, and too, too much of the time, there's misalignment. This, somebody's not recognizing where there's at and somebody feels a pressure and everything, right? So when we talk about these things, Arizona's in a different place than the Philadelphia Flyers. Arizona's already declared their path and, and they said, we're going to live with this. The Philadelphia Flyers, what path, what, what path are they on? You know where they are? They're in the woods. Okay. And they look around and they see all these evergreens and they start walking around in circles. Right. And they keep walking around and they have no idea where they are. They're not coming out of the woods and they still don't know where they, where they are in the woods. They don't even know where the path is. So for Chuck Fletcher to be able to evaluate what, what his next moves are, that's very different than Arizona. Very, very. I like what Tom Fitzgerald's done with the New Jersey Devils. I think they're on a path forward. I really do. They got Jack Hughes has shown it, right? So every team is different. And then, Steve, I, I can't help but finish with the Buffalo Sabres. You know, 11 years, first overall picks, second overall picks, top five picks and everything. 11 years, there's got to be an evaluation in Buffalo of, okay, like, are we on the right track? Are we on the right track? They set a path just hasn't led anywhere well the woods analogy is great uh and i don't mean tiger but i mean golf it's like philly has gone in there they've taken two shots in the woods pick up your ball pick up your ball come out and drop it over here and then play the hole's over uh the round's probably over and you're not winning this tournament so and you mentioned buffalo and i said to marty on the air and marty we love him and he's optimistic and he's a fun guy and he works for the Sabres. He talks about Tuck and Krebs and power and, you know, a, a lot of young Tage Thompson and everything else. So then I just kind of look a little bit ahead as we do. And we don't know what happens in the summer and free agency. I mean, you don't go out and sign Nazem Kadri and he's coming to Buffalo. I don't know if that would happen or not. They want him or not. So the free agency also helps change everything. But then I look at realism and think realistically, okay, Bergeron left, 
that's a big hole for Boston. If, if, if Malkin and, and Latang leave, what happens with Pittsburgh? Is, are the Capitals aging? Are the Islanders going to get better? Are they coming back in? What's realistic for Detroit and everything else? Things do change, and guys in the system make the team. And I think it's slow and steady. But think how good it's been in Detroit for a long time and how hard this has been, even with good young players. The Sabres have some players. It's a long road. And I just, I want, look at it, San Jose. Remember there was a time you couldn't see an empty seat in San Jose. I watched the Oilers Sharks game the other night. I couldn't see a person in San Jose. And I'm being facetious, of course. It's a long, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost depressing realism about where some of these teams are at. And Craig, we're not in a 21 team league. We're 16 made it and five missed here. Now it's it, it, when you're good, you want to do everything you can to keep these players and get your time together. And the penguins have had 17 years together. I just look at, we've talked about the cup contenders and all the success and you know, where teams are at. Then I kind of look at the bottom and I wonder how these teams will play it. And you've been there before. I find that just as intriguing of what some of the teams at the bottom are going to do. Of all, of all the non-playoff teams, who would you rather be? Is it Ottawa's time to finally let's go? It, like, like, who's in the best spot to be the next one? Like, who's in the best spot to be the Oilers of the future or the Islanders? Is, is anyone intrigue you with what's in the cupboard more than anyone else? Yes, there is, Steve. Yes, there, there, there okay. very much is. Who is okay. it? I'm looking forward to well, the Well, you've heard me talk about the LA Kings. I think the LA Kings have a have a really strong prospect system. And they and they have uh, lots of good young players. And, and they've pushed ahead. Like, I think they're in the playoffs. It's Detroit and New Jersey. It's Detroit and New Jersey. It's Detroit and New Jersey. Because when you have Jack Hughes and you have Dawson Mercer and you have Nico Heischer and you have Luke Hughes coming, I, I think they can get their goaltending sorted out. I think Nico Dawes has potential, you know, in there. I, I, I think they've taken, you know, Sharon Govich. We can talk about some of the other. They have some good young players in there. They have some good young players that are ready to take that next step. I think the Detroit Red Wings have one of the best prospect lines. I mean, they're going to have Simon Edmondson and Moritz Sider playing on the blue line. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable what they got going there. And, you know, it, it, it's, they're not there yet. Like, they're, to me, they're two, two and a half years away. But I look at what they got and where they have in their system. I'm not talking about prospects. I'm talking about difference makers. Difference makers. Who has difference makers? The Ottawa Senators are, 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 are got a lot of good young players. Who's their goaltender? Who's their goaltender? Go back to 2017, Steve. They relied on, on the magnificent run of Andrew Hammond. They didn't have the and, and he was great. And since that time, they they bet on other goaltenders, they bet on Matt Murray, they're betting on Anton Forsberg. That may very well, he may turn out. But what's their blue line? I know they have Jake Sanderson and Thomas Shabbat, but how many years did we hear about Edmonton with all their top picks, how good they were going to be? You know what? And, and and before Owen Power and Peyton Krebs, it was Jack Eichel and Casey Middlestat and everything, right? After a while, right? Like, you know what? Like, I, I don't I, I don't want to hear, like, you know, sh- show me what you got. Like, I think that Owen Power is a difference maker. I really do. But, you know, the, the, the Buffalo Sabres, you know, Tage Thompson's come really ahead. What, I mean, that's turned out now to end up looking like a pretty good trade in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. But to me, if you don't have difference makers, in your system, you better get them because if you don't have them, you, you you might limp along, you might come close, 
but you're not going to get there. Barkov, Huberto, Bobrovsky, Ekblad. They didn't arrive here today. Uh, you, you can go back and look. Keith, Taze, King, difference makers. They didn't arrive at that point without having difference makers. Detroit and New Jersey, in my view, have difference makers in their system. Other teams, Buffalo, I, I, I have faith in Buffalo. I do. I have faith in Buffalo. Too many other teams. I don't see any. Who, who's the difference maker in Columbus? Well said, my friend. Well said. This brings us to final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans, not a person or a group of people. It's an amazing product. Ceiling fans, puck lightning fixtures. Paul Cohen will take care of you. UltimateHockeyFans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our discount. Uh, I'm going to end final thoughts. Speaking of Owen Power, uh, Frozen Four at press time coming up with Michigan, Denver, Minnesota, and Minnesota State. Owen Power's stacked crew. Are they going to win a national title? He's from Mississauga. Next week, Buffalo is in Toronto on Tuesday. You imagine if that's when he makes his NHL debut, that would be something special. Good luck to all four schools and all the great prospects. If they continue to stay in school, Craig, or they come out and turn pro as early as next week. You. Well, there'll be some. And, and listen, listen, the, the Frozen Four is phenomenal. And uh, the, the, the teams that are in there are, are, un, are, are, are great teams. You know, you look at the, at the star-laden Michigan Wolverines. But I'll tell you what, you know what? If they want to play fast and loose with the details, they're not going to be playing because Denver plays well. Minnesota State is a, is a really good team. I mean, you, you got the Battle of Minnesota, the, the kind of the Minnesota State Mavericks versus the Gold, Golden Gophers, right? I mean, I mean how, how amazing is that? Denver Pioneers, Michigan Wolverines. I mean, it sets up for a great Thursday at the Frozen Four. And you're right, Steve. Great, great talent on display. Tune in if you're in the United States. ESPN has it. And in Canada, stream it on tsn.ca. Beautiful plug. Beautiful plug. I'll plug episode 55, ladies and gentlemen, is coming around the corner. Until then, Mr. Button, what would you like to say in closing? I'd just like to say this. This is I call this the Studio 54 edition. And I have some pictures of you doing the disco dancing under the strobe lights. <laughs> oh, I was there with the 79 Rangers and Cheryl Teagues. No, I was 11 back then. But she sells, she sells by the she store, something like that. Sports <laughs> Illustrated cover, kids. Look it up, 1980. I've got it in the basement, Craig. I'll prove it to you next episode. For Bruce Bolton, Craig Button, I'm Steve Coolius. Ladies and gentlemen, over and...